Hello, and welcome to Emma and Rebecca Talk IP, a series in which we take a look at something that's caught our attention in the world of intellectual property and try to unravel what's really going on. I'm Rebecca Gay. And I'm Emma Isles. Today, we're taking a dive into the world of IP and non-human inventors and creators. Our discussion today has been inspired by a world-first decision in Australia involving artificial intelligence, or AI for those in the know. That's right. A little earlier this year, the Australian Federal Court became the first court in the world to decide that AI can actually be an inventor of a patent. To give some context as to how that came about, the Patent Office was considering a patent application for an interlocking food container where the inventor was listed as an AI system known as Davis. At least I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, the office refused the application because the application did not list a human as its inventor. And so the patent owner, Dr. Thaler, appealed to the federal court, where Justice Beach disagreed with the patent office and allowed the appeal. So, Emma, why all the fuss? Why does it even matter who is named as the inventor on a patent application? Great question. Well, the patent owner is the person that gets to exercise the privileges associated with patent rights. They say who can exploit the patented invention. And the patent owner will be the inventor or the person who has obtained the right to ownership from the inventor. This could be the result of an assignment of rights or an employment contract, for example. But what it boils down to is that without knowing who the inventor is, a patent application can't be filed. So in the case of this interlocking food container, which was invented by Davis, Dr. Thaler was the owner of the patent application. He was obviously human, and he was actually the person who had created the AI system that invented the container. And actually, as far as the court was concerned, that was good enough. As long as the person there's a person applying for the patent, in this case, Dr. Thaler, and that person can derive their title to the invention from an artificial inventor. And actually, it's very interesting because this is different to where other courts have landed on the same issue, isn't it, Emma? It is. Dr. Thaler has actually filed equivalent applications in the US, the EU and the UK. And in each case, the application was knocked back on the basis that the inventor must be human. In fact, in the UK, about a month after this Australian decision, in a two-to-one majority, the UK Court of Appeals came to the opposite decision as Justice Beach, saying that only a person can be an inventor. The only country seemingly in line with Australia is South Africa. That's right. It's true. The equivalent patent has been granted in South Africa, but the process before the South African Patent Office is quite a bit different. Um, when you file a patent in the South African Patent Office, it takes a look to make sure that you've complied with formal requirements. So in this case, it'll take a look to make sure that an inventor has been named in the application, but the office doesn't consider any substantive issues, such as whether the named inventor could actually be legally an inventor. So for the time being, that patent will remain as granted on the register in South Africa um, but it could be challenged through the South African courts. So I think it's safe to say that this recent federal court decision places Australian patent law in a quite different position from global patent law, at least for the time being. 
Uh, there is an appeal from the decision which is underway, um, so we'll have to wait and see whether that remains the position after the appeal decision. Absolutely. It will be very interesting to see what happens with the appeal. But for the meantime, we can take a closer look at how we ended up with such a different result from other jurisdictions. So to start with, there is no definition of inventor in our Patents Act and therefore no explicit guidance on whether an inventor has to be human. So Justice Beach had to undertake a process of statutory construction to understand what the term meant. This involved looking at the Patents Act and regulations, the history of the development of patent law in Australia, and even standard dictionary definitions of the word inventor. That's all quite an exercise, isn't it? Um, and one of the other things that the court paid attention to was the recent addition to the Patents Act of an objects clause. And his honour said that the construction of the Act should be consistent with the object. And he considered that the promotion and reward of technological innovation would be consistent with that object, irrespective of whether the innovation is made by a human or not. He even said he thought that computer inventors would incentivise the development of creative machines to achieve new scientific advantages. At the same time, His Honour also said that this construction simply recognises the current reality, which is that computers have autonomously created patentable outputs for some time now, so they should, should be recognised as inventors. And interestingly, this isn't the first time that that objects clause has been influential in judicial decision-making since it was introduced, which was just last year. The object clause was also referred to by our High Court um, majority decision in the Caladad and Seiko-Epson case handed down at the end of last year. In that case, the majority of the court cited that one of the objects in the clause was the encouragement of innovation. They found that innovation was promoted by rewarding patentees for their efforts to develop an invention, with that reward being collected upon the sale of the product. But the majority also said that there was nothing else in the Patents Act to suggest that the patentee should be rewarded more than once. So that, that supported the court's construction of the Act, um, and in particular that all the rights of a patentee, except the right to make the invention, are exhausted at the time of sale. But going back to the Thaler decision and non-human inventors, while the decision puts Australia in a unique position compared to other jurisdictions, it's also a divergence from other areas of IP, Rebecca. It is. Um, so copyright, for example, um, is an example of a, an area of IP law where only humans are considered capable of creating protectable works. And a fun and pretty high-profile example of this is the the, the monkey selfie case, which hit the news a few years ago. So what happened there is that David Slater, who was a UK photographer, set up a tripod and camera on the floor of a jungle in Indonesia uh, and allowed a troop of monkeys to come along and play with the buttons and inspect the lens. And what happened in the course of that is one of the monkeys took a quite amusing selfie, uh, which actually later became the subject of proceedings in California where Peter, an animal rights group, sued Mr Slater on behalf of the monkey for infringing its copyright in the selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and that is exactly why we love IP so much. What other area of law gets to talk about AI inventors and monkeys taking selfies? 
Um, the, the monkey selfie matter was ultimately dismissed and it never reached appeal. But a key finding was that an animal is not entitled to copyright in a work because it's not a legal person. And that outcome is consistent with Australian cases that have also confirmed under Australian law that the author of a copyright work has to be a human author. And where computers are involved in the creation of works, unless a human person controls the nature of material produced by a computer, then copyright won't subsist in the work that's created. As an aside, uh, the requirement for copyright works to be created by identifiable human authors is also something that has recently tripped up Banksy. The artist is engaged in several disputes with a greeting card company that says it should be able to freely use Banksy's works. And because Banksy wants to remain anonymous, he can't seek to rely on copyright to enforce the rights in his work, which is exactly what you typically rely on for an artistic work. So he, not being able to rely on copyright, has been trying to enforce his rights via trademarks instead. And there's currently an opposition to registration of two of his artworks as trademarks ongoing before the Australian Trademark Office. That sounds like a topic for a future podcast, I reckon. <laughs> but back to non-human creators, we are left at the moment with the position that non-humans can't create copyright works, but they can invent patentable subject matter, which um, is an inconsistency that poses some pretty interesting questions as to how IP laws should apply to an area, as a whole, should apply to an area of endeavour that was until very recently reserved only for human intellectual effort. Yeah, it does. And speaking from a strictly legal perspective, it also poses challenges for the Australian patent system. For one thing, it may not always be clear how a patent applicant would derive their title from an AI inventor. Although Justice Beach found in the particular case before him that it was clear um, in the case of Dr Thaler, he acknowledged that there might be a contest for ownership between several people where the case, the case isn't so clear cut. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. Another really important practical question is what impact AI has on the legal concept of inventiveness um, and whether it should feature in consider in considering whether something is inventive over and above what was commonly known in the field of the invention. Uh, Justice Beach said that it might be in the future uh, that common general knowledge, which is the measure of what was known in the field, will be expanded with the assistance of AI. He also considered it more likely that artificial intelligence would generate inventive concepts in the future rather than human intelligence. So it, it's really pr presents some practical hurdles as to how a party should obtain evidence from the black box of an artificially, artificial intelligence system on issues of whether a patent is inventive. Indeed, very tricky and lots for us to think about. But until next time... You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.